0: Good afternoon, everybody Thank you all for joining us in uh, our Bible study And we are uh, delighted that you all are able to join us And we praise God for your presence As far as Bible study is concerned on this day As we look forward to uh, engaging you all uh, As we continue our study in the uh, letter to the church at Galatia And so if you don't mind, I I want to uh, start us off with a word of prayer. And then if we could, uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. So let's start off with prayer at this particular time. God, we come to you right now. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus for all that you are doing as far as our lives are concerned. We pray right now, God, that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you will be in our conversation and our midst. Show yourself mighty and strong, oh God, and give us ears to hear what you have to say and give us all the ability to apply it to our lives. It is in Jesus' name we do pray and we claim it done. Amen. Now, before we get started, let me just say, that my technical director and producer by the name of Deborah Dalton is really on vacation and she is celebrating her birthday. And um, praise be to God, but she is sending me stuff in my private chat telling me what I need to do as far as looking better for you all. And one of the things that she is telling me to do is move this hanger thing from behind me. So I'm going to do that real quick. So we don't have that type of distraction and it doesn't look like I got something growing up out of the ground and getting ready to come out of my, my, my head. So hold on just a moment. All right. All right. Is That, that looks a whole lot cleaner and better. <laughs> For all of those that are coming, as far as our chat is concerned, we thank God for your presence, and it's so good to see each and every one of you, and uh, we thank God for you. Uh, Let me just make sure that uh, I'm good as far as how things are looking, and we're going to go ahead and get started as far as today's conversation is concerned. That being said, uh, Galatians chapter... 1 verse 11, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11, and as we uh, look at this particular verse, this is really Paul justifying uh, who he is as far as being converted, being an apostle being a worker for Jesus Christ. And we want to unpack this because there's a lot of intentionality that Paul is dealing with when it comes to the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So starting at verse uh, 11, these words printed, I'm going to ask you to just highlight some stuff, circle some things, and, and let's focus on it. But I make known to you, Brethren, as brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Highlight that whole verse. Verse 12 For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to highlight the phrase, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. I want you to circle the word Judaism. I want you to underline the phrase former conduct. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. I like that whole phrase. And I advanced in Judaism. I want you to circle the word Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. And I want you to draw a line from the word Judaism, verse 14, to Judaism in verse 13. And I advance in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly je- zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And I want you to highlight that phrase, being more exceedingly jealous, zealous for the Traditions of my father. Verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. I want you to highlight verse 15 through 17. I want you to highlight all of that. And I want you to circle the word in verse 17, apostles. All right, let's pick up in verse 18. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remain with him 15 days. Highlight verse 18. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I want you to circle the word apostles, and I want you to highlight the phrase, James, the Lord's brother. Verse 20, now concerning the things which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I want you to highlight the phrase regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was unknown by the faces of the churches of Judea which were in Christ but when but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he tried once to destroy i want you to highlight verse 23 and they glorify god in me i want you to underline verse 24 all right Okay, a lot of work that we want to do here, and a lot of unpacking that I want to do, and I pray that that I'm able to get it all done as far as our time together is concerned, because this is the beginning of the richness that I want to attribute to the, the writings of uh, Paul, as far as the Church of Galatia is concerned. Again. I want to let you all know that really what Paul is doing here is justifying his call as far as ministry is concerned, as far as being an apostle, and to remind them of the conversion that he had as far as Jesus Christ is concerned. So let's look at verse 11, and uh, let's do the drill down that I would like for us to try to glean as far as this passage is concerned. But I make known to you, brothers and sisters, when you see the word brethren, that's really men and women, brothers and sisters, that the gospel, which was preached by me, is not according to man. Now, just from that particular verse, we can derive that what Paul is saying is that this gospel that I am sharing with you, I wasn't sent by a man to preach it, and it wasn't given to me by a man to preach it. So as Paul is dealing with trying to convince people that wanted to refuse and recognize his authority as an apostle, he goes back to the very beginning of his conversion experience and how he came to share this gospel. Paul wanted the Galatian believers to know that beyond any doubt, he is an apostle. Now, he's not part of the original 12. And as a matter of fact, for those that know something about the original 12, Jesus called 12 men to follow him. Out of the 12 that he called to follow him, at this particular juncture, um, one of them had committed suicide. Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus. So they selected another apostle to follow him. And that is, of course, uh, um, you will see that if you read your Bible, you will see that, I believe, I want to say in Acts um, chapter one, uh, they got a replacement for for, for Judas. Um, And um, basically, um, his name was Matthias. So if you read Acts chapter one, uh, starting at verse 15, they cast lots and they wind up choosing a guy named Matthias who wind up succeeding or taking Judas's place. Okay. Um, so when we talk about casting lots, there were different ways in which that was that was done. Um, It's almost like either uh, pulling the straws or um, having a vote. So in that particular framework, that's what it means when they talk about Catholic. So Matthias became part of the, quote, 12 apostles. That being said, what Paul wants us to understand is that he's not part of that 12. Now, here's what I want you to understand about the concept of apostle, and it's twofold. The concept of apostle in its purest sense, and I want you to hear me, hear me well, in its purest sense, basically means two things. Number one, it means apostle is nothing but a fancy word for messenger, okay? Messenger, all right? One who takes a message and shares it. So apostle is messenger. The other connection as far as apostle is concerned were people who had seen or who had walked with Jesus when Jesus was in the flesh. Okay? Um, Those who had had a connection with Jesus when he was here on earth. Paul... Gains his insight as far as the apostle is concerned because he saw the risen Savior on the road to Damascus. Jesus had an encounter with him on the road to Damascus and changed him from a persecutor to a church holder. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So he claims his apostolic authority by going back to the fact that he has seen the risen savior in the flesh all right here's another thing that i want to drop on you all because when you have people in today's culture that want to say that they are an apostle in its purest sense uh that's kind of hard to do because i don't believe that most of these people seen, have seen Jesus resurrected or before resurrection in the flesh. The interesting thing is that most, so like with the Catholic Church, and I would even say with the Kojic Church, many of them trace their sense of apostolic secession and authority back to two people, Peter or Paul. Okay, Peter or Paul. Paul considers himself to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to be a messenger, to share the gospel with the Gentiles. Now, this is very important, this stuff that I'm laying out for you all, because as we look at what Paul did, Paul wants us to understand that this gospel he preaches um, came by another source. So there are three things that I want want to share with you. Number one, Paul is letting us know that it did not start with man. He wants us to understand that man-made religions emphasize human works and merit for salvation. Paul's message did not. And when you read the writings of Paul, Paul always talks about how we are saved by grace through faith. All right. Secondly, Paul wants us to know that he did not receive the gospel from any other human source. Now, if you know anything about Paul, Paul was there when Stephen was stoned. He heard Stephen preach, you know, with such power and fire right before he was stoned. He also had personal contact with people in the church like Ananias, because when Paul was blind, Ananias had come to share with him who Jesus Christ was and what had happened to him, as well as Barnabas. So he gets spiritual truth from them. And then finally, Paul affirmed he did not receive the gospel. He preached by the means of theological education or having sat in school for three and a half years or anything like that. He lets us know he got it from the highest source. And that is a revelation from Jesus Christ himself. All right. So when he says, brother, I want to make known to you that this gospel which I preach was not given to me according to man. And in verse 12, he goes on further to say, for I received it uh, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, one thing that we got to understand, and I really kind of want to drill down on this just a little bit, that when it comes to the very essence of our understanding of who God is through Jesus Christ, we must understand that this gospel cannot be human-centered. It has to be God-centered. Christianity is not human-centered. It is God-centered or Christ-centered. And when you look at all the other religions in the world that tend to be what we call polytheistic, which has many different gods, Those religions have created gods who represent power, sometimes evil power, gods that are sexually induced, uh, gods that are more or less um, driven by particular benefits or just share particular benefits. All right. So in that particular vein, that's what we have to be very careful of as far as understanding the difference between our uh, Christian religion and religions of other sorts. Okay? Now, I said all that to say this: that there is a difference and a distinction between the two. All right, now notice what he notice where, where, where Paul really started lunching into. Because in verse 13, he says, for you heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I, what, persecuted the church of God beyond measure, tried to destroy it. Once Paul found out that um, Judaism was in the process of being usurped by Christianity, he went on a tear. (laughs) He went on such a, A tear, uh, that he created terror in the hearts of the believers in the early church. All right. Now, what you, you got to understand is that Paul really was considered to be one of the up and coming Pharisees of his day. All right. And in him becoming. One of the up-and-coming Pharisees of his day, if you read in his letter to the church at Philippians, particularly, I want to say, I want to make sure that I I think it's chapter two, uh, he really gives insight into, uh, well, I think it's chapter three, he gives insight into his uh, credentials when he talks about how he was uh, circumcised uh, at the appropriate time, how he was uh, from the tribe of Benjamin, which produced the first king of Israel, Saul, and how he is named after King Saul. He was considered to be a Hebrew of the Hebrew. He was a Pharisee that was well-learned. He had all of that stuff going on and he was trying to uphold the traditions, the understandings, and the rights of Judaism. Okay. Now, what is Judaism? Judaism um, for the Israelites was both a lifestyle, was both a lifestyle as well as um, uh, a religion. All right. Judaism is how the Israelites conducted themselves culturally, relationally, and spiritually, all right? And you will see the codes of Judaism as expressed within the context of the Old Testament as far as the writings in Exodus, with the Ten Commandments, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, with the various laws that anyone who was an Israelite was expected to conduct himself or herself. So those particular laws back then is what defined Israel as a nation and separated them from other nations. All right? So, Paul is saying that right now, this new Christian religion is getting ready to usurp our way of life, our way of living, our understanding of who we are in the world as well as who we are with God. And Paul felt so driven to even exceed the other Jews of his own age because he wanted to make sure that Judaism remained the order of the day. So here's what I'm trying to say, and I say all of this to to help us understand that if anybody knew Judaism backwards and forwards like uh, like the back of his hand, it was Paul, okay? Nobody Uh, could really talk about Judaism in a major way, like Paul, he had that thing on lock. Do you hear me? He had that thing on lock. And what he is describing right now is that he was saying, I was so militant. (laughs) I, I, I was so down with it that there was nothing and nobody who could outdo me being a Jew. I knew the laws. I knew what was required to come before God. I knew how to offer the proper sacrifices. I understood the ritual. I understood the religion. I know it like the back of my hand. But what I want you all to understand is that you can do ritual and religion, but if you don't understand, nor appreciate, nor allow for it to change you, to make it help you to become what God would have for you to be, then basically it means you what? No good. Because guess what? Unfortunately, even in the Christian tradition, we can behave like Paul. Let me say that again. Even in the Christian tradition, like Paul was adamant about Judaism, we can be adamant, Zealous and erroneously out of kilter when it comes to Christianity. <gasps> you mean, Pastor, that if we do some things, yeah, yeah, we can be adamant and wrong when it comes to Christianity. Let me say that one more time for the Holy Ghost. We can be zealous and wrong. When it comes to Christianity. Remember, this is the same Paul that said, uh, for they have a zeal, <laughs> that means enthusiasm. They have a zeal, but not what? According to knowledge. They have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Uh, because when you have a zeal, but not according to knowledge, what you will tend to do is you will tend to take scripture. I take a ritual and pervert it and mess it up. And we do that all the time in the church. All right. So Paul is saying, my militant past makes a shift because guess what? In verse 15, we see that shift. That word, but in verse 15 means that what was said before, I'm getting ready to make a shift. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, understand that word grace means uh, it is um, um, uh, God's unmerited favor. In other words, he didn't deserve it. God placed a call upon his life to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Not the Jews, but the Gentiles. Not the Jews, but the outsiders. Not the Jews, but the ones that many Jews consider to be the ultimate sinners. Are you all with me? Okay? All right? Because I really want to drill down on this. I did not immediately confer with Flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to, what, Arabia and return again to Damascus. All right, here's what happened in, in these three verses I just dropped on you. But it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. In other words, God got a hold of Paul's life. Paul wasn't looking for it. Paul, in fact, read Acts chapter nine one day for your own sharing and you would discover Paul was on his way to persecute church in Damascus in Syria. He was heading down that dusty road and Jesus, for all practical purposes, arrested him. Changed his life. Turned his world upside down. Okay, now, let let me let me just say something about traditions, because we live in a time and in an age and in a day where I often hear people say, well, you know, uh, some of these traditions, uh, we don't you know, we need to get rid of them and da 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 da. And and there's a difference. Between tradition and traditionalism traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Traditions are the living faith of the dead. All traditions aren't bad. Please understand this. All traditions aren't bad. The St. Paul Church got quite a few traditions. And all traditions aren't bad. Some are but most aren't, okay? Good traditions, hear me well, are practical attempts to fulfill or express a truth or an idea of scripture. Those are good traditions, all right? All right? And, and so what happens is, is that uh, as we carry out those traditions, they become repeated patterns for, worship for serving for running a church for example communion is a tradition all right baptizing through immersion is a tradition you got me all right y'all with me okay Spitting in your hand ain't a tradition. Yeah, I'm, I'm going there. Okay. That's somebody that has taken scripture out of context. Uh, you all probably have heard about the preacher um, that spat in his hand and then put his spit on his brother's eyes trying to replicate or, or demonstrate, rather, Jesus healing the blind man. All right. That ain't tradition. That is a bad misuse of scripture, and that is allegorizing the scriptures to mean something that Jesus nor the writer of that gospel never intended, okay? All right, Uh, so, so that ain't a tradition, okay? All right, so, but the thing we got to understand about traditions is that it can keep us from doing What we ought to be doing. Okay. For example, (laughs) in some churches there was tradition of you know women not only not preaching, but they always had to wear dresses to church. Or there's a tradition that you 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 only had to wear suit and dresses to church. And, And I'm glad we ain't caught up in that tradition. Okay, because they can keep us from doing what we need to do. But here's what I really want to drop on you and uh and 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 drive home. Mindless repetition of a tradition without understanding its background can lead you to doing wrong. All right. And when it comes to the Apostle Paul, he admit that he was violently defending a tradition that was out of step with the plan of God. He was actually persecuting God under the guise of trying to maintain the traditions of his fathers. And while scripture should be our source of truth, our applications from it cannot claim absolute inerrancy. Our traditions are only as true as their faithfulness to what the scriptures can actually affirm. All right. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is if you take a scripture out of context just to substantiate something crazy or idiotic, you make that scripture look bad. Am I making any sense? That when you take a scripture and you apply it in a way that the author nor Jesus never really intended, you make that scripture look bad. Okay? Let, 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 let me go ahead and and, and drill down uh, with this. So, so 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 Paul is saying, um, uh, first of all, God set me apart at birth. God knew what God wanted to do with me before I was born. Second of all, God set me apart by his grace. All right. And, and, and thirdly, what God did was reveal Jesus Christ to me. All right. Now, remember, on that dusty road to Damascus, Paul was blinded Um He had seen Jesus, he heard the voice, he became blind. Paul thought that Jesus, prior to that encounter on the road to Damascus, was a fraud, was a trickster. God gave Paul an outward vision of Jesus Christ on that Damascus road and later on an inner uh, revelation concerning who and all Jesus was about. And that purpose was so that Paul could go and preach this gospel to the Gentiles. He became known as an apostle to the Gentiles. So really what Paul is saying is that my conversion experience and my commission to preach this gospel had nothing to do with humanity. It has everything to do with God. All right. Now, here's what I want y'all to understand before you jump out there and do something that God ain't got, 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 and called you or told you to do. That when Paul preached the gospel and Gentiles' lives were being changed and they were coming to Christ, that was the substantiation that Paul had been called by Jesus. Okay. If God calls you, God will confirm your calling. So Paul is saying, I don't owe my conversion to any man or woman. I don't owe my calling to any man or woman. I owe it to God. How else could you have a major change from a person who was a persecutor of the church to, a, to become a preacher of the gospel? God had to have done it. Okay. God had to have done it. Are you all with me so far? All right. So when, when, when God when God called Paul and commissioned Paul and converted Paul, a couple of things happened. Number one, Paul now understood the principle, Of the resurrected Christ. Had not Jesus been resurrected from the dead, there would be no church and there would really be no good news or gospel. He also understood who Jesus Christ was. That when Jesus appeared to him on that Damascus road, he understood that Jesus was then the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament, all right? Then number three, he gets a new strategy for work. And that strategy was to go and preach the gospel, share the gospel with others. And what Paul does is that he goes to the Gentiles and that gospel he shares is a law-free gospel. Now, what do I mean by law-free gospel? basically means that the gospel that Paul shared meant that he was sharing a gospel in a way that would help those who were not Jews to understand they did not have to behave like Jews in order to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Okay? In other words, No longer do you need to try to keep 616 laws in order to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, all right? No no longer do you have to maintain dietary laws to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And and, and what we have to understand is that when we look at the laws of the Old Testament, there are three ways of understanding the laws. First one is the moral law, okay? Okay. The moral law is expressed in the Ten Commandments. I'm, I'm doing some teaching here. It, it ain't part of the lesson, but I, I feel like I got to do this so that those that are on this call or on this 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 uh, uh, teaching right now can get this. Three aspects of the law. First one is the moral law, the Ten Commandments. When Jesus came, he did not do away with the Ten Commandments. Okay, y'all with me? The Ten Commandments are relatively universal regardless of your belief. So it's still uh, you, you still like are expected to honor your mother and father. You still are expected to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You still are expected not to commit adultery, not steal, not to kill, not to bear false witness against your neighbor, not to covet. Okay, You're still expected to do those things. That's the moral law second kind of of law is the um, ceremonial law. Ceremonial law were the things that made a person unclean to go into the temple. So interestingly, when it comes to ceremonial law, it was the ceremonial law that separated Israel from all the other nations. So ceremonial law were things like, for example, um, uh, 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 if, uh, uh, if 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 a woman was menstruating, she couldn't go to the temple. If if, if a man had uh, open sores, or he couldn't go to the temple. All right. So it was it was things like that 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 became ceremonial. No. The, the 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 third one was the religious law, and the religious law was how Israel handled the holy things of God. Now. Ceremonial law and religious law, we are not Jews. That stuff does not necessarily apply to us. Okay? And the only person that fulfilled those laws perfectly is Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus comes and he interprets those laws in the eyes of the Pharisees, they were. Messed up because their way of viewing the law was, watch this, it was restrictive. Jesus' way of viewing the law was liberating. All right? So now that Paul has shown up, and Paul's getting ready to go share with the Gentiles who Jesus Christ is, you had a group in the church, the churches at that time known as the Judaizers, who were saying, Paul don't know what he's talking about. In order for you to be a Christian, watch this, because part of that religious law was that men had to be circumcised to verify that they were Jews. Now, can you imagine back then, no, it's kind of hard, being good and grown and being told you got to be circumcised to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That would be a major turn off. <laughs> I, I, let, let me put it to you like this today. It, it, if, if I had to do that, I, I, I think I would have some issues at my age. You telling me that I got to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. I might just say no, y'all. Y'all keep that stuff, okay? All right. So, so those were the kind of things that 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 the Judaizers were pushing. In other words, they were saying, that in order for you to be a Christian, you have to first become a Jew. And Paul basically was saying, no, you don't. All right. Paul was basically saying, no, you don't. Now, I know somebody said, well, what about sisters? Great question. So when it comes to, as far as even the women were concerned, and in building the theological bridge to today, uh, the things that kept the women out of the temple are unclean. Paul was basically saying in so many words, no, you don't have to go through all of that, 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 that Jesus Christ meets you where you are and does his work in you for you to become what he would have for you to be. All right, let me go ahead and wrap up cause my time is about up. So when we look at verses 18 through 24, uh, Paul had gone away for about three years and he hung out in Arabia and Damascus and, uh, and basically received the aspects of what it meant to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He comes to Jerusalem after those three years. He meets Peter, hangs out with Peter for about 15 days. He met one other apostle by the name of James who was Jesus's, Brother. Okay. That same James we're talking about now is the same James that wrote the letter of James that we did some teaching on last year. All right. Um, Understand that Paul had a meaningful time coming to know the noted apostle, but there's no, no suggestion that Peter gave him any theological instruction or any apostolic endorsement for his ministry all right um they met he understood that Peter basically was kind of like the lead apostle as far as the church was concerned uh, in Jerusalem all right so then as, as as we continue to drill down as far as uh, this this work is concerned um, I want to Let you all know that Paul is now saying, I am not standing on the words of anybody. I am standing on the truth that God has given me. In verses 21 and 22, after his brief visit with uh, Peter and with James, uh, he worked in Syria and Cilicia, Uh, which is why he was not known to the churches of Judea. Uh, He was not commissioned for this ministry by the apostles because of the distance between him and the church at Jerusalem. And he was not under their authority, nor subject to their oversight. He was subject to the oversight of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, many of the churches in Judea had forgotten about Paul at this time. Uh, the only report they knew was that they had heard, watch this, that this Paul was the one that used to persecute the church. Now he's preaching the faith that he was trying to destroy. And we are told that the Jewish Christians in Judea, when they heard this, gave God glory for Paul, which means they were substantiating Paul in light of the Judaizers who were trying to undermine Paul. All right. In other words, you have the Judaizers on one hand who are saying Paul don't know what he's talking about, but you have the Jewish Christians on the other hand who said we give God praise for what God is doing in the life of Paul and with the ministry that God has given Paul. Judaizers are in Galatia trying to tear Paul down And the Jewish Christians are back in Judea lifting up Paul saying, we had heard what he tried to do to us and we know he could not do what he is doing had not God produced a change in his life. Now, let me pull all this together. Let me make it applicable for us in these times. Because people always have a tendency to remember what you used to do. People always have a tendency to bring up your past and talk about what you used to do and now you are in the church doing all this and that. Paul's changed life brought joy to the believers who saw him and who had heard about him. Here's my question to all of us that are part of this study right now. What change do folks see in you that brings them joy to know that God is doing a new work in you. Now, some of us, our change may not be as drastic or as dramatic as Paul, but my God, something ought to shift. There ought to be some sign in us that God is growing us. In other words, there ought to be some movement toward being a little bit better today than we were yesterday or last week or last month or last year or five years ago or 10 years ago or have long you came to Christ. You should not be, and this is what I want to drill out. you should not be the same person you were when you first got saved. Shouldn't be the same person you were when you first got saved. In other words, let me drive this home. You shouldn't be a babe. If you, if you got saved 20 years ago, you shouldn't still be a babe. If you got saved 10 years ago, you still should not be a babe. Now, you just got saved yesterday, yeah, then yeah, you, you, you still got some baby ways and you got to grow. But here, here's, here's what I want to drive home, that there ought to be what? Progressive, positive growth. that people ought to see a change in you and it ought to bring them joy and it ought to bring God glory. It ought to bring them joy and it ought to bring God glory. Paul, after all is said and done, substantiates his apostolic appointment and his conversion experience, watch this, through his life being changed. for the better. My prayer is that we as followers of Jesus Christ, that people can see what God is doing in our lives and get joy and God get the glory. All right. Okay, I'm I'm done for today. I'm done for today. Um, if there are any questions or, or uh, comments, if there are any questions or, or comments, um, if you would put them in the chat, if you have any questions, uh, I wanna give you the opportunity to share in the chat before we close out in prayer. Any questions, any questions, any questions, any questions. Any questions? Any questions? All right. It seems if not, before we close out, uh, let me uh, do a couple of things. Um, For those who have not heard, uh, we have lost uh, Sister Gertrude Hamilton. Uh, Sister Gertrude Hamilton, Uh, Many of us knew her as Mother Hamilton, uh, and she was here and she moved to the Philadelphia area to be with her daughter so her daughter could take care of her. And she took her rest on last evening. And So we want to lift that family up in prayer. And once we find out uh, those arrangements, we'll let you know most likely uh, it will take place in the Philadelphia area. Uh, and she would have been 106 years old, I believe this year. So we thank God for her life and longevity. Um, and we praise God for her. The second thing I want to let you all know that if you want to give, you have the capacity to do that. Now you can, um, mail check a or money order to the church at 1401 Allen street, Charlotte 28205, or you can drop off cash, check a or money order here at the church. Um, Call the church office for us at 704-334-5309 to let us know uh, t- so that you can make sure someone is here at the church to receive your offering. You can also give through ACS or Church Life as far as our website is concerned. Then you can finally give through the app called GiveLify. So if you feel led to give right now, we uh, ask that you would do that. Uh, and we don't take your giving for granted. You're sowing into great, great ground, great, great soil, great, great soil. Because we're trying to do everything we can here at the church uh, through the tribe of St. Paul to bring God glory through our worship, our witness and our work and through his word. I so appreciate each and every one of you all as we get ready to close out in prayer. Be safe. They're talking about another uh, storm hitting us on um on tomorrow, into Saturday morning. Uh, But the Lord said the same. We are looking forward to having in-person worship for those who feel led to come. For those who will be watching us online, you can check us out at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Uh, That being said, let's close out in prayer. God, help us to grow. Paul so demonstrates in a very meaningful, tangible way that the call and the conversion experience you produced in his life caused him to grow in the grace and knowledge of who you are. Help us to do the same. Help us not to remain the same. Help us to bring joy to the lives of others who interact with us because of the change you make in our lives, and you get the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, I love you. God loves you even more. You all be safe. Take care of yourselves. Remember when you venture out, wear your mask, practice social distancing, wash your hands, and get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Love you all. God bless.